Wanderings from the Perch. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me as always, actually this time in my studio at home... Live! Well, without a net, (laughs) I might add. Oh, no. The lovely, uh, talented Mama Bird CEO and founder of Little Bird Marketing, Priscilla McKinney, welcome to my nest. Oh, is it your nest, or it looks more like a lair? Yeah, I think it is more of a lair, actually. <laughs> you, do you realize how deeply disturbed I am right now? I know. I, I hear that from a lot of people. So. For those of you who have not been in this studio, which I call the studio of the macabre, the museum <laughs> to everything strange. Yes. I mean, I just, I can't even take it all in. You have just random... No, no. Random would not be the word because it's really not that random. No, it all fits together. It is together. categorized very dark memorabilia. Well, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah it's very of... interesting. From gargoyles staring at me to a lot of skeletons. Lot of I see sk- a lot of skeletons. A lot of skulls and such. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's, that's what. Yeah, so that's this is where uh, this is my happy place. Oh God. <laughs> I do not want to be around when you are ever so sad. Yeah, exactly. That'll really get dark. There'll be a wow. lot of Hello Kitty, I think. Oh, well, there. Oh, yeah, that's that's. It's almost if it gets that happy, it's sad. Is that is it, that the yes. way it is for you? If it's that happy, it's well. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit on the disturbed side. I'll admit. Good. Then mission accomplished. Okay. <laughs> Well, welcome. It's good to have you out here. Yeah. I know that I got to grace your side of the world yeah. the last time, yeah. and we got to record in the new Little Bird studio. Yeah, and now we've established that it's equally hot in my studio and your studio. Yes, yes, <laughs> because if we had the air conditioner running, it would sound like we were in the middle of a hurricane. Right, right. So Don't yeah. really need to do that. No, no. no. Okay, well, I, we can be hot. That's okay. We can. We're we hot, are, hot, We hot. are hot. We are hot. <laughs> now we digress. Well, excellent. Oh, what? So early, we digress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, just like always. Yes. We we do what I like to call starting off slow and tapering off. Right. (laughs) Okay. So what would you like to talk about today? Well, you said something to me that was kind of interesting. You commented on the level of energy that I have for coming into business. And I know you you asked me, I'll I'll paraphrase a little bit what you asked me, but kind of like, gosh, Priscilla, are you ever not full of energy for business and business ideas? Right. Because every time we talk, I don't think we've, at least to to my knowledge, Uh there's ever been a time where we've talked to where you're like, oh, I just don't want to do this today. (laughs) So I'd rather stay home and watch. Oprah or whatever. Right, yeah, that's not going to happen. No, no, absolutely <laughs> First of all, not. I don't own a TV, so therefore... <laughs> so and there... secondly, Oprah's not on anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that... <laughs> I probably so, should check my TV listings more yeah, often. Okay. So anyway, yeah. yeah. So does that ever happen to you? I mean, is that like? Yeah, it does. But I think what you're talking about, like, am I ever not excited or pumped for my business or energized about it? No, not that often. I think that's because I've carved out certain parameters under which I operate on a regular basis. Right. And so I've kind of like put my safety net up and One of the big things for me is if I start feeling a little bit like that, I know that I have not worked in enough playtime, enough creativity, enough enough off time. And so now at this point in my life, I'm much better at at self-correcting a little little quicker. Okay. And so I realize, you know, I've got to get out of the office. I've got to get creative. I've got to do things that give me more juice. But yeah, it does happen to me sometimes and where you just are tired. And the last year for us has been a massive, massive yes. growth mode and nothing tires me more than growth 
Really? Now that's interesting. Growth is, you know, really great business experts will tell you it is the hardest thing to manage. Right. Yeah, it it is the one thing that really does tire me out. When I travel, I don't like to travel for business very much, but the simple act of traveling is one of those things that re-energizes me. And sometimes my husband jokes around, it's just like, you know what, why don't you just drive to the airport and ask them (laughs) if you could just sit on the plane for 10 minutes? (laughs) Because all of a sudden, all of these things, it's like I get out of my environment. Right. And all of a sudden I start having new ideas. And it's like, it sparks my creativity. A journey is, you know, I used to have, in, in one of my offices when I had the office in my house, I had a quote above my windowsill that said, journeys are the midwives of thought. Interesting. And that is really very, very true for me. It, it births something new when I just get out of my environment. So I do get tired. My long answer is yes, I do get tired of it sometimes. <laughs> but it's usually means it's a signal to me that I need to get out of my normal element and I need to disconnect from some of that the growth phase. And, you know, and there are certain things that bring me less energy. And that's like, just a lot of HR work and right. managing people. I, I'm not very energized the day you know, day by that. Operational grind. types of things. And while things aren't really a grind at Little Bird, but there are things like reconciling accounts. <laughs> you know, these are things that are a grind. But they have to happen at any business. And I think you have to become awake and alive to what things really actually make you awake and alive. Mm. And what things... Do you just have to get through and you have to carve out a really good balance? And when that balance gets out of whack, that's what happens. But I hear all the time from business owners that they're just, oh, they've just kind of lost their, that spies, no energy, no nothing. <laughs> you right. know, just, it, it's not, they've lost that loving feeling. Well, what, <laughs> nice song reference, by the way. That was okay. very good. Yeah. So what do you think? Why do you think that happens? Is it, I don't even know what you would call it. Would you, would you say that they haven't? focused solely on their vision or they've gotten off track from their vision or what what is it that you think causes that well i don't i'm sure what causes it is is very different for every person i get curious right. when someone says something like that to me I start going through a list. I'm very good at questioning strategies. Right. So I start going down and trying to find that. And, and I really rely on people in my life who are able to walk me through the paces and ask me those questions because sometimes you just lose your mojo. You know, right. it, you had an excitement. And the reality is, is that even if it's a vision and it's a, it's a work that you love, it is work. And there is a real diligence that you need to apply, especially for me, platform building. I mean, like, for example, this podcast, I make no money on this podcast. This isn't an an avenue for revenue. It is something that I love to do. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we're very conscious of the fact that I don't make money doing it at at Little Bird. But everybody is also very conscious that is one of the things that the mama bird loves. So please don't steal her joy and (laughs) don't break my mojo. You know, this is... I. I love, I love talking with you. And it was right. key for me when I started this podcast that you do it with me. And I wanted to try that first. You know, the fir- you were literally the first person wow. I talked to. Well, thank you. Because I envisioned it this way. Mm-hmm. I envisioned it being life-giving. I envisioned it being someone who I didn't have to constantly give a caveat about what I'm all about. Right. You know me well enough, but you don't know me well enough in my role as a creative director and as a entrepreneur. And so you could ask interesting questions into it 
and and that turns me on. That's like that's a light like a light going on, you know. In that sense, I didn't mean turns me on in the right. same way. You well, know thank that. you. Yes, <laughs> but I I did purposely use those words because I do think that people don't think about what turns them on. Right. That is the same. You want to put that kind of uh, sexual connotation on it. That's fine. But that's rooted in something. There's something that well, makes us feel alive. It. It, exactly. It's like exhilarating. It's exciting. It, right. And and I think that's what's been so fun. Uh, going this way to you uh-huh. has been because I've known you as a friend right. for a long time, right. but I have not known you in this segment of your life right. as far as being a entrepreneur. Well, right. I mean, I've always known you're an entrepreneur, but I mean, the fine tuning of bringing your dream and right. making something right. like a marketing company, like a, of all things, number right. one, I mean, you've always been a marketer, but to mm-hmm. actually create a company... That's what's so exciting for me is like I feel every time we do this podcast, I learn something new about you. Right. And stuff that I may have known about it in an overview, ethereal sort of way, but this gives it more body and depth and substance. Right. So when we talk about one of the first things people just lose their mojo, I kind of ask, well, what turns you on? Right. You know, and that kind of thing. And there are certain people that turn you on and they know how to press that button. They know how to make you come alive in an interesting way where you find yourself interesting and you find the things around you interesting. And that is something that I think people lose in what you referred to like as that grind and it comes out usually you start hearing it like oh it is a drudgery or you know they're just not that excited about work anymore or their role has changed and they're not excited they re- they used to be excited about work and I start asking into it and it turns out their role has changed mm. and so what they used to love now they for whatever reason they've hired somebody to quote unquote help them but they ended up giving the tasks away that actually turned them on Wow. To work. And it made them really come alive. And they thought for good management, they should get these tasks off of them. But it's wow. not good man- self-management when you give away the tasks that, that give you life. The very thing that get, gave you that excitement. You, right. You, you pawned off on someone else and then you wonder why you're bored. Right, right. So and, I could oh. free up a lot of time if I had someone else, if I paid someone else to do my podcast for me, do all the prep, do all the show notes, you know, right. call you, talk with you, get off track, talk with you about something else, talk with you about <laughs> exactly. Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> Which you would love to do anyway. I know, so I would, like, right? It, it so, works out. <laughs> but see, I could save a lot of time if I got someone else to do that. Exactly. But it would not re-energize me for the other tasks. And everybody has right. to have a balance. You can't do all of what you love. But I find that the first thing I ask people is if they've lost that mojo or that excitement, it's probably that they gave away a role or a task hmm. that they thought was, they just did it to get it done. But it turned out it was actually something that was giving back to them. To be the very thing. Right, right. And you don't always know it. And so delegating is a wonderful thing, but you have have to be listening to your life when you're Mm. delegating. Because if you delegate something out and then all of a sudden you feel somehow suddenly empty, right. <laughs> probably take that task back and rethink about it and assign something else out. We talk about that a long time ago. Gosh, at the first when we started the podcasting about Kristen Wheeler's idea of native genius. Yes. Sometimes yes. there are these little things that are so special and wonderful to you and they would take someone longer, maybe you shorter, or maybe even if you did it longer than someone, it brings you so much life. It's so a part of your intuitive power and it's a small, it's something you, it's 
very difficult to explain to somebody. And if you give that away and you don't get to operate in your native genius for a good part of the day, nobody can do it for a majority. I right. wish, you know, it were that easy. Um, but if you give away those tasks that are, I think, embedded in your native genius, I think you start to lose your mojo. Hmm. So the, I, to me, that's the first thing I see. One of the other things I start asking about their revenue picture. Really? Yeah. That, that surprises That you. surprises me. Really? That's, yeah. <clears throat> what gets an entrepreneur excited? Cha-ching. Uh, money. Like, like making the money, money right? right? They want... Get money, get paid. Yeah. Money. And it's not always just about the money itself, but it's about the control over how to make the money, how much, how fast, mm. how, you know, this, this idea of like, it's a, it feels like a game. If you talk to several entrepreneurs, there, there's some element of the challenge. Right. Right. So it may not be that their end is the, the quantity of the money. But the challenge of how you go about doing what you want to do and making money mm. from it. So there's a money part of the equation. And I think when people get uh, removed from their revenue picture, they get unclear about how they're going to make money. That's when I see people's interest in their business start to wane. Inter- and you they- see that a lot. I, I see that a lot. And it, it's not just entrepreneurs. I know we talk about that a lot, but, you know, I talk all the time with VPs of marketing, um, very established businesses. Maybe they're not the owner, but they're a manager at, at, a, at a certain level. And maybe they were a fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Here's a good example. Okay. This happens all the time. You have an amazing salesperson, mm-hmm. right? And But then they've been with the company for so many years. It just gets to that point where they feel like they need to promote them. Move up. Yeah, move up because you're going to stay a salesperson all all your life. Right. Well, we have this sometimes this idea in a company, well, you've been here for 10 years, so now we should move you into management. And you move this fantastic salesperson into management, and all of a sudden oh. now that's that's not what got them up in the morning. They Maybe you should just give them a raise or a bigger part of right. the thing, but let them do what they love. Oh. And sometimes I see that with salespeople, maybe a marketing manager or an owner promotes someone out of a position where they were very tied to the revenue picture. And now the work they do day to day out is not tied to the revenue picture. And they want, want, want. Wow. Interesting. You know, I, that's so funny that you say that because it's mm-hmm. like, I, because I've known people who have uh-huh. been amazing salespeople or you know graphic designers right and then they get promoted to the head of that department and then they can't yeah and they hate it because they're they're not doing their natural gifting they're not doing their core competency and being able to create something Mm -hmm. now they're just moving people around and pushing papers and and hating life well when i was looking for a a creative director which i still haven't found but (laughs) (laughs) i've been through a very painful process and you know i was flying people out people were interested from canada from dc someone from iowa someone from virginia someone from california someone from florida someone from texas i mean i was flying a lot of people out to do it okay well let's see work here for a couple of days and let's see if you like us and we like you type of thing well almost and I I was floored because these were people at the top of their game they had worked at major agencies in Chicago people had worked on uh, somebody who had worked on a Budweiser who had worked on huge hospital systems someone had worked for Emory University wow someone had worked I mean literally it was a veritable who's who on these lists oh Goodyear and and, I mean heavy hit like these they worked at agencies and they worked on massive accounts and I'm like you're applying for a creative director job in Joplin 
in Missouri. And they were just like, man, we love your firm. It look, It's so creative. We love the culture. And basically what every single one of them told me is that they would rather go back to a small firm. They didn't even care if they made less. They work way too many hours where they're at and they're completely removed from the creativity. Wow. So, you know, for an owner, it can be removing them from the revenue picture. But I think for a creative, it can be removing them from the actual creative work. Right. But they were so good at the creative, either a designer or a brander or anything, that they got promoted into it. Now they're the, then they become the art director, then the creative director. And the last one I talked to, who's just an amazing candidate, he was just like, you know what I've done today so far? And I'm talking with him at about four o'clock in the afternoon. He goes, I've been to like nine meetings. Wow. He goes, I I have not created something for weeks. And I was like, wow, that's what's happening is that the very talented people get promoted out of their core competency because they are so good at it. But our society doesn't, it's like, it's not satisfied. It's that, well, you got to move up. Interesting. That's very true. Why do you have to move up? And why is that up anyway? What about isn't up just being better at what you do and getting more time? I think that for a creative, that should mean less interruption. Right. Instead, it, the opposite happens. You get more interrupted. And I talk to business owners all the time. There's like, oh, I remember when I used to actually work in the company. Now I work on the company. And that sounds so good because people tell you to do that, that that's what you should do, strategy and all that stuff. But if that's not why they got into business ownership to begin with, that can be really draining. Mm-hmm. I think that removing someone who is a heavy hitter on sales from the sales revenue picture or removing an owner from the revenue picture or removing a creative from the creative picture, you're killing people's mojo. Right. You know, so I, sometimes I hear that. Interesting. Wow. That, I mean, it seems so obvious. Yeah. But it's a, it's this corporate mindset of, well, if you're doing really well, then you got to move up. By all means, let's mess it up. (laughs) Let's mess it up. Exactly. Instead of, instead of rewarding the person Mm -hmm. for being excellent at what they do, it's almost like you're clipping their wings. Yeah. And putting them in a box that they don't want to be in, right. and they're going to suck and yeah. hate their job, and then go someplace else. Right. And someone sometimes does it to someone, but also sometimes it's the entrepreneur or the owner who does it to themselves. Yes. It sounds wise at the beginning, but wow. Um, but then one of the other things that I hear a lot is they're just tired. They're just exhausted. It's like just, burnout. Yeah. Like yeah, and people are not living and padding their lives with any amount of margin for error. There's no time. Where, where, mm. When do they have scheduled to be creative or to play or to just be? You know, do they go home and start doing work at home? You know, is there any time right. that it really is just downtime? And everybody's guilty of it in one way or another. I have small children still. So there goes that idea of productivity at home. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Which is a beautiful thing, in my opinion. Because it keeps me, I, I, when I walk in, Sawyer wants me to get on the carpet and play something, sure. you know? So there is that and, and carving out a certain type of life that you want, but people are just so tired. Why do you think that is that there's this pervasive, nag, I would I'll even say nagging thing at the back of your head that feels like mm-hmm. something's biting at your heels and you've got to keep moving? Right. The scarcity mindset? Is it a... Yes. A, what, <laughs> I'm answering my own questions. Is it a pro- Protestant work ethic yeah. mindset? Yes. Yeah. Is it a valuing people as transactions and and commodities thing? Yes. Hmm. 
You know, is it, you know, and that can be in any organization from the top down. Do you value yourself for mm. what you produce and what you do? Or do you value yourself for who you are, how you be mm. <laughs> with people? And that's, that's a hard question for a lot of people. But our society, by and large, values you on what you produce. Right. And so you have to make a very concerted effort to walk away from that mentality. Right. So there's a paradigm shift that has to happen to not see relationships as transactional. Right. And on one hand, they have to be transactional when you're hiring someone and hiring an employee. Here's the transaction. Mm-hmm. But make, bringing some clarity. I will give you this. You give me this. But then there can be an element of the relationship that needs to happen organically and naturally that has to be free of transactions. You know, it's not, I require you to do this. I'll right. give you a really good example. Okay, please. Layton, one of my creatives, we had to get a video project done just recently. And I needed voiceover done. I needed music. Uh, you know, we need to go find a score, do this, da, 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 through the list, right? Well, I come back and he's written the music himself and produced it and put it on there. I did not ask him to do that. Wow. His value of what he's bringing to the table isn't about it being original. And so because of that, because that's not the transaction, I'm not putting it on there as this requirement. He had the freedom to go do that. And in his freedom, what he chose was more creativity. Right. And he brought that to the table. And, and then it was a real gift because he brought something really, you know, so he created something, something beautiful to the table, but it wasn't required of him. And so it felt different. You could felt you could tell it was like from his heart yeah. rather than from his wallet. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I mean, I would imagine he probably did it at night. He didn't do it on you know we are salary and you know there has to be some level of this is why I do love salary and why it fits in my culture is that yes I I need to do certain things for you and we have to have some you know some parameters and you have to do certain things for me but the more and more I can make it free and less transactional based, the cooler this environment gets. And I know that a lot of people don't have that at their work, but I think just making small little adjustments in the way that we uh, treat ourselves is what can finally leak out and help us to treat other people we work with differently. But it requires really rethinking what is valuable about me. Right. You know? Right. So when we talk about that at my work is the difference between who you I and who you are. That's a Sandler system way. But the I is like, what's the worth that you have as a person, your individual, Yes. Um, you know, worth. It, it, say you produced nothing. Say you were a vegetable the rest of your life. Do you feel like you're an I-10? Do you feel like mm. you're at the top? You know, that I am all that I am. Well, you should. But do most people? No. No. <laughs> no. Well, I think yeah. that's I think that's part of the uh, the malady mm-hmm. of uh, well maybe entrepreneurs as such, but I think people who who invest everything right. into their job and that becomes their identity. Right. And right. when they get removed from that, right. there's that I don't want to say stigma, but that that almost like that lostness. Right. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, I don't know who I am because I'm not this right anymore producing right yeah yeah and so you know it is a scarcity model you mentioned that at the beginning it's not living in abundance it's living in a fear Mm -hmm. um and i don't feel that really anything good is produced out of a a bath of fear (laughs) not so much you know and i i i'm a big fan of fear I, I I believe in fear, and I, I certainly don't think we should be fearless. I've, I've never thought that. But I don't think that um, we make our best decisions when we're guided by fear. Yes. I think when we see
see fear for what it is, recognize and say, oh, there you are. Hello. You're here all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we move, we move in it. Um, we were talking about this a little earlier about how you can only be brave when you're afraid. Right. So why would I want a life where I'm not afraid? Yes. I, I want to be afraid because I want the opportunity to be to be brave, you know, but when I feel afraid, that's not a sign that I am beginning to fail. It's a sign that I'm becoming awake and alive to the, the concept, the potential consequences of, of my actions, you know? And so I think that what happens is that we, we, we don't think about our real value. And then you said it's a malady of our culture. And I think that is true because that scarcity model lend, you know, brings people to where, they feel they should always be producing. So therefore they cannot rest. They Mm. cannot sit down because if they do, then all of a sudden their self-worth is starting to pull apart at the seams because if they are not worth the same thing they were worth when they sit down and open a magazine, now they're just being in our society. We call it now we're just being lazy, lazy, right? And there's just no room for lazy. And that's really too bad. You know, that's really too bad because I don't, I, I think that we were created for something different than, work (laughs) well i mean you've you've even said this on previous podcasts that there are times where outside of the normal nine to five or Mm -hmm. or eight to four whatever Mm -hmm. your hours are it's been outside of those parameters where you've gotten your best ideas like when you're using your uh, hair straightener i know yes i know it's crazy yeah i just we just joked with my staff of last week i went to the bathroom at work i was in the bathroom and i came back and i'm like guys (laughs) (laughs) and they were like oh lord Like, because your brain goes offline in a different way. You're no longer like attacking a problem. It's you're in a resting mode. I mean, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. Ariana Huffington wouldn't be able to sell the heck out of the book Thrive if the message of how about we sleep a little bit more. And I hear this now in in corporate circles about, well, sleep your way to the top, you know. And of course, they're what they're joking about is the idea of this badge of honor that everybody gets from being overworked is just, it gets old. It just gets old. And I don't want to talk to people when all they're doing is telling me about how they don't sleep, how all they eat, breathe, sleep. And I I say that, and I mean, I've been in growth mode. I'd say it's been a difficult last two years at Little Bird in that it has been so successful and we have grown so so quickly that takes a lot of brain power. Yeah, and, and I am I am a bit tired, and so I am alive to that. To go, okay, so I need to go offline sometime. How does how does this what does this look like to me? And being responsible for getting that rest, like building the padding in that margin, and coming and being able to show up to work as a you know a human being who can be less transactional. Right. You know, Vince Lombardi said that fatigue makes cowards of us all. Ooh. Isn't that Ooh, good? that's a great quote. Good. When you are tired, you are unable to be brave. Right. You are unable to stand up for someone else. You do not have the courage to make a difference. You're just tired. And fatigue does such a, a crazy thing to your brain. It's such a poison in your brain that you, even in with your best intentions, you can't make a positive difference. Right. So I think that's it. I, I hear that from business owners a lot. I mean, you know, they're probably just tired. And maybe they just need to sleep some more. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I pose that question to my listeners. Is, is part of the malady of where you're at in business and, oh, I got to, you know, get this marketing strategy and here we're coming on year end. And, and I know I, I get the pressure of it, but could it also be true that maybe you just need to rest? 
I think that's an overlooked... I mean, people joke about it, of course. You know, I'll right. rest when I'm dead. But, right. I mean, uh, <laughs> who, who wants to work yourself to death? <laughs> right. You know? Right. I mean, it's because it's yeah. you're doing what you love to get to mm-hmm. an end game. Mm-hmm. To, like, I built something. This is an amazing thing that I've created. And now I think there's... The, the trouble is in the transition of... I still have to go full force in this direction to right. continue building it mm-hmm. rather than go, wow, I've really created something amazing. Mm-hmm. Take a step back right. and breathe a little bit so right. that you can enjoy it, right. number one, right. and rediscover maybe something new or some new passion right. about that that you didn't know was there. Right. And I, I think what, to take that a step further, is that I think everybody's looking for the quick three steps about how you do that. Right. Or I hear this work-life balance and I'm like, oh, as soon as I hear that, I start... Kind of just, oh, God, it's not that easy. This is hard. It'd be nice if it was. Right. Or people say, you know, I'm a big one for equality in marriage, right? Okay. You know, when I was in college, believe me, you heard me a million times talking about this, yes. right? <laughs> I might have been a little cantankerous about it or whatever. Possibly. But, I, but I can't recall. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. But this idea of the equality is not 50-50. That's not what it is. Right. And I've been married over 22 years. And let me tell you. It's not 50-50. What it is, is a real understanding of the need for the give and take to be flexible. Sometimes true equality is you do 100%, I have to go to sleep. Right. (laughs) You know, that is, that can be real equality in a marriage or it can be, you know, we're 50-50 in an interesting way for, oh, about two minutes, you know, and we're back to (laughs) 80-20. And this is, you know, and, and so I think that people... When they have a problem like this, they grasp at easy solutions. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're easy solutions. And I think that we we go in these trends of everybody's receiving badge of honors for overworking. Right. And then we go the opposite way. Like, oh, the person who's out on their yacht all the time, that's the model. You have to find it yourself where you, this is why I say it goes back to how do you treat yourself? Do you treat yourself like when you sit down and you open a, a book up for pleasure Anything that you do for pleasure, anything you do for pleasure. And how do you feel about pleasure? Is pleasure lazy? Hmm. Because if you think pleasure is being lazy, you misunderstand the point of being a human being. Right. And so when we fail to make allowances for that, that's where we get tired. Because let me tell you, sometimes it's very invigorating to me to work what you would call the grind. Because there's a season and I'm excited and this is major growth and and it's totally exciting me. And even though it's crazier hours than I've ever worked before, there's a purpose and a clarity and and I'm just awake and alive to why, to my why. Hmm. And then, but the the idea is, but I shouldn't be sold out to the idea of overworking. I should be sold out to the why because the moment that I don't need to overwork anymore and maybe I can go play, then I should be very quickly move right to that. Right. And so it's not, you know, I don't think there's a work-life balance that is a particular line or a certain number of hours or a certain type of thing. I think it's very fluid. And there are seasons in your life to listen to your own self. As my favorite author, Frederick Buechner said, listen to your life. Mm. Just listen to it. Listen to your own thought patterns. How are you treating yourself? And I, so I think about entrepreneurs who they're off track. You know, the, 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 the energy is gone. The love of the work is gone. These kinds of things. I say, listen to your life. Just stop for a minute and listen what you're doing. And I'll bring up one last thing that I've been thinking about since you asked me this question. What's that? Is that sometimes there are people who are stealing our joy. 
<laughs> and wow. so sometimes joy robbers. Yes, the joy robbers. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we need to evaluate who we're around and what is the outcome of the team that we've built. What is the mm. feeling when I am big on culture and we talk about culture at my place all the time and don't just talk about it, we live it. Right. And and do it. And and it doesn't mean it's my culture and this is the way we're doing it. I, you know, this is our culture. And yes, I set the values and I set the parameters under which it happens, but I need to allow for other people to make the culture what it needs to be to be truly organic and who, you know, a sum total of who we are. But what I hear is that sometimes people have never stopped to evaluate the effect some people are having on them. Mm. And that is what is bringing them to where a business owner or a marketing manager says to me, oh, um, my business is totally off track or this marketing plan, the marketing strategy we said at the beginning of the year, we're not even there. And they then they will go and they will put more pressure on themselves, number right. one, <laughs> and which I understand, but I like to question that. And then they'll go put more pressure on the systems, you know, and like I say, then in those cases, they don't rest, those kinds of things. But sometimes they never evaluate the group of people that are working together to get this done. And Mm. if there might be somebody on that team that is thwarting the progress. Interesting. And could removing one person who seems innocuous, because it's, it's the horrible people that is easy to pick out and go, you should go. But... It's sometimes it's the person that's not so bad, that, but that drives you crazy, hmm. you know, just like it's, you know, I find it's the person that you make fun of the most. Really? Interesting. Like, oh, ho, ho, they're so funny. Now you don't say, oh, I hate them. They do this, right? right? This is society. It's a, they're funny in a quirky. You know how they're so, they're so like, weird. Of they course, you know, he'll do Oh, this. that's just them. Right. Oh. But that to me is an innocuous, slow death. <laughs> It is a poison. And when I start doing that, when I kind of make fun of people, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty, all of a sudden I have a a red flag that goes off. I'm like, oh, Priscilla, you're making fun of somebody. Even if it's, it sounds like it's in good humor. Right. But humor is only truth. That's why it's funny. Right. It's not funny. It has an element of truth. There's an element of truth, right? We all know this about jokes, right? right? Well, what is that truth? And I think that, Mm. okay, so I'm going to go elliptical here. I'm going to digress for just a minute. Digress away. Because I need to feel that somehow my bachelor's was worth it all. So humor me on this. You know, obviously my, my degrees in cultural anthropology and I did a lot of historiography and that right. uh, study of certain cultures and what happens. And people wonder, well, why did people put up with this dictator for so long? Why do they put up with not having human rights? Why did we have slavery so long? Why did we have apartheid? Why do we have all this kind of stuff? Because it's humans that this is happening to, mm-hmm. right? And people talk about it kind of the sense of boiling frog, you know, doesn't know, he's, oh, you, right. know you know, one degree by one degree doesn't realize he's boiling until he's dead, right. <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. And that's sometimes how society society works if things get worse or worse and it actually is just totally true and studies you know will will bear this truth out but it takes a massive amount of pain for people a people to revolt for a revolution to mm. begin you think about it like when revolutions have started there have been massive inequities massive tragedies Ma- i mean people put up with way too much right it should have been not acceptable way back, right? right? You think, I mean, I can pull up a million examples, but it is human nature. It takes a massive amount of pain for people to risk revolution, Mm -hmm. right? So this is why 
I say that those people that you think are just kind of haha funny and you make fun of why they're so dangerous because you will never revolt against them. Mm. But they put just enough poison in your system every day to where six months later you are mentioning to me at lunch that you have no loving feeling left for your company and you don't really know why because nothing is so bad interesting but it is to me one of the most overlooked pieces of the puzzle hmm. because if it's horrible people are going to come find the horrible thing oh sure. you need a new package that's why and you or you need to up it. your prices or you need to hire someone to take you need to delegate more you need to get some rest i mean these kinds of things are all, all fix it things right. right but this one no one goes you know that person you every once in a while you, that you joke about you should fire them Nobody ever says Yeah, that. right. Exactly. You know, and I have done that now several times and enough to where it has made such a difference for me. You don't realize that it's like someone sitting there and tapping your shoulder. You are never going to scream, ouch! Right. Ever. Ever. But do you want me to sit here and tap your shoulder for the rest of your life? No, not so much. Exactly. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> but you won't do something about it. And sometimes we wait for things to get to this critical mass in order to deal with them. Right. Instead of taking care of it like right at the start, exactly. right when you notice right. that, hey, like the, this is like one of the warning signs. Right. Exactly. Wow. Brittany Brown talks about a different subject, but like this, she talks about when you're in shame, mm-hmm. that everybody's, because it is a physical response, that there are different signs that people have, like for her, her palms get sweaty. She mm. her she goes goes cotton mouth. Like you got to know your signs. Know your signs that you're in shame. My heart races. I, I you know I know what my signs are, and I go, oh, I just got sh- I got shamed from someone, and I can feel it. Right. Well, th- so you have to know your signs, not because you can fix it, but because you go, okay, okay, I'm in shame. How am I going to react? You know, and I need mm. to get back in control of my brain. I can't go into reptilian mode and just react and kick someone. Right. You know, you could, I, but I could. we're not going to. And I have, but right. you should not. Right. <laughs> so I say this about these kind of people that they seem so non threatening. Yeah, innocuous. Like, I can try to think of a, another word for innocuous, but yeah, that's it. That it's just harmless. Harmless. There you go. They seem harmless. I, I yeah, I hate harmless people. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say it like that. But you know what I mean? It's like they never are bad enough for you to deal with it. Right. But they, you know, but it's... it drives, and you realize that it is driving other people crazy too. Hmm. So I, what, knowing my signs is when I start joking about someone, poking fun at them. Right. First of all, that's not a part of my value system. I don't think that's a good thing to do. Right. So when I'm, that also tells me I'm operating outside my own values Hmm. and that sends a red flag up to me. Like you're compromising your own deal. Exactly. Exactly. And so why would I continue to engage with someone when I'm around them, I'm compromising my own values. Hmm. If I can't change, if I look at that and go, Hey, maybe they don't need to go. Maybe I need to change the way I act. So I go, okay, let's start it with me then. Stop making fun of that person. But if I can't, if I find that I can't, then you keep going back to it. Right then I probably need to fix that environment. Hmm, you know? That's interesting. And also, is that very nice to someone else to keep them in an environment where all they're going to do is be kind of picked on? No. That's not good either. No. But that's, I, I leave that as, you know, the last thing I think about when people have said they've lost their mojo with work. Sometimes it's not the obvious place. It's, I kind of say, well, what's really not bad? What's just kind of the tiny driving you crazy thing right but you don't realize how much of your bandwidth is stolen from that type of a tappy tap 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 
tap, tap on your shoulder. Wow. I would never have thought of that in a million years. Mm-hmm. But that is so true. Mm-hmm. What you're saying about, oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. like that's like so revelatory. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel bad for people who are not in control of changing their environment like that. But that's where I feel my responsibility to my team is, is to continue to guard that. Right. And so for those people who are managers or owners, maybe you could hear me and say that sometimes the best thing you can do if you want more out of your employees is to evaluate the team and realize who is the person that's bringing them down. And what would it what would it be like? Could you, instead of promoting the person that is doing well, how about saying goodbye to maybe somebody who is just, you know, kind of just bothering the team right (laughs) could you do something awesome for your employees and your teams by protecting their environment more Hmm. if there's if you've lost that loving feeling those are a couple of ideas i have of where you could look that's such a (laughs) that is so amazing priscilla i mean i i know that if i'm sitting here mind blown by that (laughs) concept of can we have like a can we have like an explosion (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's so so very true thank you for like this is one of the things I love about having conversation uh-huh. with you. It's like I feel like like I get the benefit because mm-hmm. I'm learning stuff uh-huh. as well as what our, our listeners are getting out right. of it too. Right. That is such an amazing if I think if they only got one thing out of this podcast, mm-hmm. that nugget at the mm-hmm. end. Right. Super invaluable. Right. It's and, like it's it's like a diamond. Right. It's like you gave people a diamond right, right there. So fix the leaky faucet. Fix the leaky faucet. That's that's your good that's your phrase. <laughs> Get a sticker, put it on your <laughs> wall, whatever you need to do. Well, thank you, Priscilla, for giving us this. Number one, just having the conversation. I, I know I always say that, but it's so true. There are so many people that want to harbor and keep all of these things to themselves. Like it's, you know, like Scrooge McDuck and his right. money. It's right. like, but you are so free with that. And so just thank you. Yeah. For that. And listeners, of course, we always want to hear from you. We want to find out what your stories are, how you've been working in business, how you've dealt with things, and the things that you've seen happen that maybe have worked, maybe that haven't worked so well. So you can always drop us a line on our website, on our Facebook page, or wherever you've downloaded this podcast from. And speaking of downloading our podcast, if you could head over to iTunes and write us a little review, we'd love five stars, but yes. uh, we'll take four. Yeah. We'll take five. We'll take five. <laughs> just, just on the instead of reviewing the show, like telling us something about it, maybe just say, "I promise to fix the leaky faucet." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if we just got that, that would be like five stars. So, thank you again. And so, for ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, this is Dan Ledbetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying, "Have a great day." This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.